Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. This is a big day, folks. I mean, whew. this episode of The Book of Boba Fett, man, this is, as far as I'm concerned, peak level Star Wars on TV so far. Like, probably there are episodes of The Mandalorian I have liked, like, as much, uh, but this is just, it's, it's, it's up there. Now, um... There is so much in this episode to um, to savor and appreciate that I didn't feel like I could just do a, a review of it and, and do it all justice. So guess what? I'm doing a full episode commentary. Um, full Spoiler alert, obviously. So if you haven't seen this episode, if you haven't seen all the episodes so far of the Book of Boba Fett, go do that and then come back. Because I just, this episode, like every 10 seconds, there was something that make you go, makes you go like, oh, this rules. Um, this is like kind of what, what I dreamed of when the idea of live action Star Wars on TV first uh, looked like becoming, uh, becoming a reality. I just, um, like, I think you can say it's still, like, there's definitely signs that this is TV rather than a movie, but, wow, they are really, really close to getting everything cinema quality. I mean, this, to me, this should be, like, what they, are, what they aim for with every episode of Star Wars TV. And it makes me really, really um, optimistic about... Kenobi and uh, Andor. Um, I think that, like, I've been really enjoying the Book of Boba Fett, but there have been certain sequences or moments or whatever that made me go, like, this is not, it's not whisking me away on a wing and a prayer. I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's not, it's not. And, um, I felt a bit like I, I'm starting to wonder how how Kenobi's going to work out. Like, like uh, I'm speaking specifically about Kenobi because, um, like, I'm looking forward to Kenobi and/or and Ahsoka all more or less equally. I would say, but I know there's a, a huge number of people for whom Kenobi is the thing they are most looking forward to, and I want them to be blown away, and I want them to be happy. And I want me to enjoy it too, of course. But um, yeah, I, I was starting to have some thoughts about uh, really how epic or how amazing that could really be, realistically speaking, uh, when it's on the small screen. Um, but this episode gives me hope that this stuff's going to be big it's, and it's going to look amazing and it's going to be amazing. Uh, so we're going to get on with that... Um, with that rewatch soon enough. So, uh, and commentary. All right. First, I, I just want to like mention uh, something. <laughs> I promised at the end of the last episode to tell the story. And it's, 
about 10 days old now, but uh, to tell the story of why the police rang my doorbell at 1.30 in the morning. It's Star Wars related. Here we go. Now, uh, a lot of you will know that um, one of my hobbies is dressing up in um, kind of Star Wars costumes and then going out into Slotskogen, which is, um, uh, yeah, like Central Park in Gothenburg, basically. Um, I grabbed my trusty lightsaber, which uh, looks a lot like Luke's Episode 6 light lightsaber. It's a profi-board NeoPixel blade lightsaber, which means it has um, the ability to change blade colors and sound effects and even soundtrack. And um, and I go out in the middle of the night into the into Slotskog in the park slash forest, and I play Star Wars. I'm 45 years old, and I go out into the park and I play Star Wars. Eh, kill me! It I love it. It's really fun. So ten days ago or so, we had uh, the weather here in Gothenburg was extremely windy. It was like basically a storm was hitting. It wasn't raining. It was just wind. And um, I had this feeling like, man, I'm tired. I just kind of want to watch TV. But I was like, you know, but listen to the wind out there, Tom. Listen to the wind. If you don't get out get out there and enjoy that, that wind out there, you're going to regret it later because it sounds dramatic. And you know what would be, what would be really fun is if you got dressed up, grabbed a lightsaber and went out in that wind uh, in that storm and had yourself a, a merry old time. Um, also, you know, thinking that in that kind of weather, you're even less likely to run to bump into people. Of course, I don't really want to like, I don't really want people, to, I don't want to bump into people when I'm playing Star Wars in the middle of the night, basically. And generally speaking, I am pretty good at avoiding people, uh, although it doesn't always work. Now, um, so I went out there and... Um, Wow, it was incredible. The wind was like so just it was howling, howling wind and when when you're amongst like all those trees when when the wind really catches catches the trees, I mean it sounds like a demon or something. You know, it sounds like it's it's super fun. So it put me in a kind of like, oh, I'm going to like light up the red, the red lightsaber for this kind of weather. Duel of the Fates going, the, the Darth Maul, um, whatever you call it. What's it called? I can't remember. Anyway, Duel of the Fates, red lightsaber. And I had an awesome time. Like, uh, I guess I've talked about before that, um, you know, I'm going through a bit of a transitional phase. It's been a bit of a hard and frustrating time dealing with kind of the my bands breaking up and kind of losing the hunger to write music and dealing with like really serious back pain stuff and... You know, there's been some challenges in the last few years and um, being out there that night in the wind like that, um, all dressed up and having a good time. It just, I just had that feeling like, this is fun. You know, this puts me 
puts me back in touch with that kind of yeah, that feeling like like it's funny like I'm dressing up in in like kind of Jedi robes almost or Sith robes and running around with a lightsaber and yet my feeling was like this is okay now this feels real in a way you know uh, this is where I feel I feel alive I feel I feel amazing and um, so it was it was super good and I even just you know even just lay out you know on the rocks in the in the forest and just listen to the 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 wind just roaring as I said. So I come home having had a pretty lovely life affirming experience. I get in I get inside. I uh you know take my costume off and I'm down to just like my pajama pants and a t-shirt and the doorbell rings. And I'm like <laughs> you know some weird little voice in my head said maybe someone saw me and thought I was cool and wanted to come and say hey should we perhaps play Star Wars together? That uh, thought la- lasted about, you know, 0.001 of a second before I thought, oh, what could this be? So I opened the door and I tried, like I opened the door and the door like stops. It stops when it's only like 15 centimeters open or something. It hits something. But what's in front of me in that gap is a a police officer. <laughs> Uh, it's a lady and she says, Hey, <laughs> I'm like, hello. And she says like, um, do you speak Swedish? And I'm like, yeah, well enough. And she goes, all right. Uh, is that, uh, is it you who's Thomas Sutton? I'm like, yes. And she goes, all right. Um, did you just come home with a, with a black stick? Now uh, the thing is like, I, I keep my lightsaber in a um, like a carry case kind of thing that I made out of je- my old an old pair of jeans, and I kind of do that just to like make myself feel a bit less self conscious when I'm coming going from my apartment out to the to the forest. And usually, often I have it under my cloak so that it's you know kind of out of the way. But on the way home, it's like one thirty in the morning, you know, like. Who's even around? Like, streets are deserted. So uh, anyway, she said, did you come in with some kind of black stick? And I said, yes, it's a lightsaber. (laughs) You know, like from Star Wars. (sighs) So um, she goes, okay, well, um, one of the neighbors called us because they thought you might have been breaking in. (laughs) Like, uh, uh, are you serious? Like... How many people, how many burglars do you know that dress up in Star Wars costumes? And what, I don't know, maybe they thought it was a crowbar or something? Who knows? But uh, the reason the door wasn't opening any further, because I guess this is some kind of um, technique that they use, but um, this other police man was there, I guess, with his foot, you know, so that the door couldn't open very fast in case I was dangerous, you know. Anyway, they said, all right, well, just, you know, perhaps think about the fact that if you're running around in costume with a something, you know, in a, like a stick thing in a black bag, you, people might get the wrong idea. And I was like, all right, sure. And they, they left. They were very typical, typical Swedish police officers, 
both tall, good-looking, and nice. That has been my experience of the Swedish police, mostly. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't too disturbing, but it was a little bit like, come on, man, I, like a lot of stuff sucks these days. And I like I've like went out and actually had fun, and I really had a, like something that really felt exciting and cool to me. And someone called the cops on me. Seriously, Ugh. so yeah, there's my story. Now, in other Star Wars, Tom Star Wars news, I've actually uh, I put another episode away on my Rebels, my slow-moving Rebels rewatch. I mean, it's it's a good show, and the reason I'm rewatching it is because they're you know mixed in with all the the very kid-friendly stuff. There's some huge saga moments, and so I just feel like like I could. Of course, pick out those key episodes and just watch those, but something in my um, completest brain doesn't doesn't like the idea of that. So I'm re-watching all of them, not very quickly, just, you know, occasionally when I'm like, I could really go for 22 minutes of Star Wars right now. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I really noticed that kind of... Um, Ralph McQuarrie painted look that they tried to create visually... And I am appreciating that. Um, the episode was pretty cool. Um, I wish it, uh, you know, had a bit more of a serious feel to it. Um, a lit I wish the villains were a bit less cartoony. Uh, but it's a cartoon for kids, so what can you say? But uh, it will be interesting when we get to some of the more serious episodes. All right, now. Folks, I reckon it's time. Are you ready? We are going to do our um, commentary of Chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett, starting right about now. I have uh, got the episode basically on zero. Um, if you want to follow along, you can uh, tee it up. But... I'm assuming if you've uh, if you're listening to this, then you've seen it, and you can probably just follow along with what I'm saying. Saying anyway, uh, the number of uh, commentaries I've listened to on podcasts while actually watching the the movie or whatever is almost zero. Because <laughs> if I'm listening to a commentary of something, it's because I already know it. All right, here. We, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. So here we go. If you are following along, here's the countdown. I'm I'm on one second in to be honest all right you ready three two one a go all right i'm gonna let the recap play um i have a th a uh, a way of approaching watching the episodes uh every episode i um uh skip that recap because they can really um kind of like telegraph what's going to happen in the episode a bit too much and that's not a lot of fun um so uh, yeah I, I always watch the episode about three times um before the new one comes out so um you know i get the chance to check out the recap later to see what they picked to put in there but overall it's not necessary all right we've got the we see this um you know the flashing helmets intro for 
stars on TV. Steel Saunders doesn't like it. Steel, I'm sorry, buddy. I love it. <laughs> I actually really like it. I like that logo. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. Slaughterhouse. Wow. Um, I mean, you know, I did have the thought when the episode started. I was like, these places must exist in the Star Wars universe, in the galaxy. But do I need to see every little, like... Oh, at least, okay, sorry. Man, i got to talk faster. All right. That entrance by the Mandalorian, awesome. I was not expecting to be seeing him actually even in this episode. I really thought it was going to be that, like, like uh, we can buy muscle, you know, if you just know where to look at the end of the last episode. I thought that was going to be like the, you know, the, the dropping of the cookie, the cookie, you know, trail of cookies that you would be picked up maybe the second to last or the last episode. But here we are straight in. Din Jaren's back. Um, he looks awesome. Isn't it weird? Like how quickly we've gone from, holy shit, Boba's back to now we're, holy shit, Din Jaren's back. Mando's back. All right. I really like the production design of this. Like, as I said, I, do I need to see like an abattoir in Star Wars? I don't know. But they got the look right. These guys. They look cool. They look good. I feel... Ah, oh, I love that. How do you know he's here? Pulls out the, uh, the tracking beacon. This is awesome. See, I think that like... There are people who feel like, uh, you know, the Boba Fett that we're seeing in, in, the, in this TV series is not quite what they had in mind. I really feel like Dean Jaron is that character, basically. So, I, I don't know. It's all win to me at this point. But, um, I mean, Dean Jaron looks awesome. These, look at the, the outfits here. See that belt? I really, I, I mean, I feel like that belt on that that mob boss guy. That was that must have been found like secondhand or something. Cause look at it; it looks so genuinely weathered. I could be wrong, but it's great. I feel a little bit like I'm assuming they ADR this guy's voice in after, but it does kind of sound like he's talking through the mask. But I wonder if they try to re recreate that in a way, so that it matches up. Okay, ready? Listen to this. Hot dog! Ah, now this absolute face melter of a of an action sequence kicks off. I don't know what it is. I can watch people shooting Mando in the best car all day. I just look at that. Slices that guy, goes halfway through the car, stabs this bloke. I mean the pace of it, the stylishness of it. Dean Jaron manages to like hurt himself look at that he slices through both those guys at once this mob boss is just like unleashing on him but the best guy's doing its job look at that slices straight through this guy and the table the sparks go up Mando's hurt but he's done the job I mean this is killer the style of it like this kind of like I love this like icy look to the to the tiling and how dirty that all looks and these I mean, it's kind of the um, 
these, uh, you know, the plastic hangings in the doorways. It's very much that, um, you know, uh, gunslinger coming through the the um, through the, uh, the 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 wing doors of the saloon kind of thing, but in, in an abattoir. Seriously, I've I've watched this episode twice today, and this so now as I'm doing the commentary, this is round three. It's just like, it just Star Wars is is about so many things, but the aesthetics have to be right, and I feel like this episode gets it right. So to me, these are barada. I'm gonna have to Google this or Wikipedia, Wikipedia it. But the, when he delivers the bounty, he doesn't call it a barada. He calls it Clatoonians. Huh. But maybe they are Clatoonian. Let's just Google this. Clatoonian. Yeah, but that, I mean, that opening, absolutely smoking. Loved it. Return of the Mandalorian. I mean, this is this is why I had to do the full commentary because look at this, another look at this ring thing. It's a Halo type deal. Hang on, I'm gonna blow up this candle. Look at this ring thing. It's gorgeous. I mean, let's let's drop her name right now. Bryce Dallas Howard directed this. I think it's hard to say exactly where what she does starts and what John Favreau or anyone else does begins, you know, because he's the showrunner and she's, you know, but this episode, take a bow, Bryce Dallas Howard, you rock, your dad rocks, solo rocks, this rocks, go the Howards. But look at this place, I don't want, I can't say planet because it's not a planet, but it's so cool looking, it's sophisticated. I think that in the past, like, because of the way the volume works, I feel like there has been a bit of a... Once you know about the volume, there's a little bit of an obvious, like, foreground is real, background is the volume kind of vibe to some of the shots. But this episode, it really, like... You see the whole thing in 3D. Like, it's very three-dimensional. There's up and down. There's... there's okay, so he's in the, the elevator right now with this guy. <laughs> this guy, which is a really good-looking alien... Starts to get a little bit too, um, what do you call it? A little bit too curious. Din gives him the look. Okay, here we have some shiny looking extras in the background. I'm not a fan of shiny looking extras, but this is a rich people's place. So, um, interesting. Okay, this is a um, an Ishi Tib crime boss, I guess, of some kind. Um... First introduced in Return of the Jedi, but you see it in, a, in a, quite a lot of Star Wars media. I'm happy, like, I really want to, I always want to see, like, aliens speaking, not speaking basic, basically. I, I, I just think that it brings you straight back to Greedo in the, in the, um, straight back to Greedo in the cantina and really feels Star Wars. When you have aliens speaking in, like, straight up normal, English basically that doesn't work for me so well you know but look at this like the the way this ring thing looks out looks out of the windows and the space you see the star star field the windows of this um 
this uh, lift look clean enough to be, you know, but it just looks awesome. Look at it, poor Mando with that leg injury. That looks painful, dude. But um, this is nice. Like uh, this, the pacing of this section now when he's looking for what he's looking for. We'll get to that in a minute. It's nice. I like, uh, I felt, I feel like they didn't, they weren't afraid to let it breathe a bit. Um, and again, this, just these environments are fantastic. Look at this. So just re it's so like lived in and so like rusty where it should be rusty and dusty where it should be dusty. Oh, I should patent that. Um, now we see these, yeah, these, uh, these signs left to guide him to what we will soon find out is a Mandalorian covert. Actually, the remains of the covert that was almost completely wiped out on Navarro. But cool to see that um, Mythos Horse skull symbol over the door. Um, man, I remember like first watching this, like he... Whoever this is, I don't know who's playing uh, the Mando here. I doubt it would be Pablo, um, Mr. Pascal, but um, yeah, he really sells the, the, the pain of that injury and the limp, and it seems to go quite a long time, and you, you start to really feel like, man, I hope Mando's all right. <laughs> but look at this. I mean, the machinery... Again, I just think like after four episodes in a row of sand and dirt and dust with um, the first four chapters of the Book of Boba Fett, this was like, it was like rain after a drought or something just to see all this, um, all this stuff, to see space, to see um, uh, something different. It was so refreshing. And now we see the armorer. Um, and we see uh, Paz Vizsla, the big guy. Um, you know, I, I think that a little bit in the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, I found the... Um, a it took itself a bit too seriously or something. All the kind of like... We must prove ourselves with honor, and this is the way, and, and stuff. It just felt a little bit too tough guy or something. But um, that's just me. I have not heard anyone else say that, so don't don't pay any attention to that. Um, yeah, here we go. Now we just this just starts an avalanche of really cool, useful information. So, um, I mean, the, the armorer looks really cool here. Paz Vizsla brings her the dark saber. And we're going to, uh, you know, for the people who... I oh, love that. All this talk of the Empire and they lasted less than 30 years. Mandalorians have existed 10,000. Very cool. Listen to the dark saber. Such a good sound effect. Yeah, my uh, my NeoPixel has a you know a dark saber font. That's what it's called, and uh, it's a really great sound actually. 
Mm. Yeah. I think, so, they are starting to introduce a bit more, like, where you're hearing about, like, uh, old stories and stuff. Um, but this this was big. Okay, so she says that if the Darksaber is in, obtained not by creed, not correctly, not by, uh, not by victory in battle, then... Um, that will actually bring kind of a curse to the Mandalorian people. So she's actually saying that when Sabine Wren, as far as I remember, gave the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, that she was kind of responsible for what happened to the, to the Mandalorians, for the Purge, for the Night of a Thousand Tears. Are we going to meet Sabine at some point? Is she going to be... confronted with that you know is she gonna are they gonna blame her is that gonna be part of the story all right this is cool it's nice to see them putting together a new forge for the armorer and again like i just think this, this episode aesthetically just nailing it man like, I can sit here and not even listen to the dialogue and just be like, it looks awesome. It looks like Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, this is cool. I mean, they. I don't think it's a, an accident that they are um, bringing attention to the fact that Moff Gideon still is alive. He says the New Republic's going to, you know. Okay. Foretold them. So, apparently there's... A, Legend, Mandalorian legends saying that the ri the rising of the Mythosaur will herald a new age for the Mandalorians. And Boba Fett mentioned two episodes ago that he, you know, rode a beast, uh, talking about the, uh, the rankle, that he rode a, a beast ten times its size, you know. I think we're seeing Mythosaur sometime in the Mandalorian in the Mandoverse. Somewhere, sometime, I think we're seeing Mythosaur. I think we're seeing Boba Fett on a Rancor. I think we're seeing Din Djarin on a Mythosaur. This was an interesting point as well. She says that this Beskar steel, she doesn't like it because it's, um, because it's Beskar, it can pierce Beskar armor and, it, and is therefore a danger to the Mandalorians and that Beskar should be used for armor, not for weapons. Interesting. We haven't heard that before. Now, he's asking about Bo-Katan. She says Bo-Katan is a, is a cautionary tale. And I think, yeah, we're absolutely setting up a conflict between Din and her. But, like, so, I mean, we'll get to this thing about helmets in a minute. He's not exactly on good term, terms. He doesn't leave on really good terms with these two, really. So, um, where's Din going to end up? Is he going to... Is he going to be with his? Um, I mean, this is basically the remnants of of. Listen, okay, she's talking about Death Watch. This is the remnants of Death Watch, as far as I I can tell. And Death Watch were cloistered, as she says, on the moon of Concordia or whatever, and that's why they survived the purge. And now we look at this. I can't even believe I'm watching this. Thai bombers bombing the crap out of Mandalore. 
Look at them. Hundreds of Thai bombers bombing Mandalore. That's the purge. I mean, I never thought I would see something like this. And it's on TV. It's crazy. And look at that. I mean, that is... And then you see these K2SO droids stalking the wreckage. Um, you know, and Imperial probe droids searching for survivors. And they're just systematically wiping out Mandalorians. Hmm. And the the um the armor is saying that their adherence to the way was why they survived the purge, as if it's. I think she sees it almost as a religious cleansing. Hooey! All right, now she's going to melt down this Beskar steel f for armor. He wants it for a foundling, and then specifies for a particular foundling for Grogu. He's concerned about Grogu, man. That baby Yoda's on his mind. And here's another... I mean, it's just hit after hit. She talks about Jedi having to let go of all attachment. And Din Djarin brings up that that seems to be the complete opposite of the Mandalorian approach, where it's all about loyalty and togetherness, basically. Which is really interesting. We get another kind of forging scene. <laughs> I remember. But look at that. Okay. Little Pieska rings. She must have made him like a coat of chain mail. And then she ties it up in a little bandana thing. And it looks like Grogu. I mean, come on. I think that's where the, the beautiful kind of light touch of Bryce Dallas Howard comes in, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe she had nothing to do with it. But that that little touch of sweetness and cuteness amongst all this, like, toughness and armor and swords and everything. Now, this is interesting. You see the armorer training Din. And he says that the Darksaber gets heavier with each move. Now, it's been ages since I saw those Rebels episodes where Kanan is training Sabine with the, with the Saber. I really have to re-watch those episodes. But it's, this is really cool. I don't know if it may, I, I think, <laughs> scientifically speaking, it doesn't make sense that, it would, that this thing would be getting heavier. But I don't care. Star Wars-wise, it really works. I mean, just again, like, I just feel like you could pause any of these scenes and just be like, bam, quality, bam, quality, bam, quality. It's incredible. Look at this. Yeah. Now, she's talking about, um, yeah, you can't control the blade with your strength. You have to f fight your opponent, not fight the, the, the blade itself, you know. Um, I wonder, I mean, who else can teach this guy about lightsaber usage? Huh? Does he come face to face with Luke freaking Skywalker and ask for help? Nothing's off the table at this point. All right. 
Not so unpredictably, we get Paz Vizsla, the direct descendant of the one who forged the Darksaber in the first place, who was a, a Mandalorian Jedi, which is a pretty cool thing. He thinks maybe if, if Din Djarin is having trouble uh, wielding that thing, that maybe it should go to, go to him instead. So, here we go. Dual time. I noticed that uh, they both removed their jetpacks. I think that's for movie reasons. If they're fighting and they don't use them, and I think people would be like, "Well, why didn't they? Why didn't he fly over here?" Or blah blah blah. But they both remove them, so I feel like in-universe reasons. Maybe it's some kind of Mandalorian dual rule, a dual rule, you see, um, about uh, using, uh, having jetpacks on during duels, who knows, maybe it's heavy and it slows them down, whatever. All right, Paz Vizsla goes into this fight with a vibra blade and some kind of wrist shield thingamajig, Din's got the dark saber. this is, I don't think, I don't like it as much, um, as that opening fight with the Clatoonian meat workers, <laughs> but it's still good. Obviously, Paz Vizsla is a, a heavy, and the fight reflects that. It's a bit more like feisty, but it's still it's still got style, and you can see that like Din hasn't magically worked the so the saber out. He's still struggling to to. To swing it in a way. Um, I like that the length of the blade seems to reflect who's who's carrying it, who's using it. Like when the armorer, who is physically smaller than these two, ignited it, the blade seems a bit shorter. Now with Paz Vizsla, it seems bigger and heavier in a way. And then this, I just love like Din's just like. Ninja! Oh, these that those knife moves are killer, and it's so fun to see vibroblades. I mean, how long have we been hearing about those? We finally see them in live action. Now here we come. The armorer drops this question: Have you ever re removed your helmet, Paz Vizsla? Ah, uh -uh. Dinjaron, have you ever moved your, removed your helmet? Oh, there's an awkward question. Of course, we all know that he has. And with good reason. Oh, look at this. Then you are a Mandalorian no more. I mean, that's brutal. I mean, look at this. They're like, you're done, mate. But we didn't know this. One may only be redeemed in the living waters of the mines be beneath Mandalore. He says the mines have been destroyed. Of course, Mandalore got bombed into just glass, right? But we gotta assume those living waters still exist. He's gotta go to Mandalore. He's gotta redeem himself. But like, is he gonna? Is he gonna like hold to this? Um, this children of the watch thing with the helmet 
Or is he going to finally just say, like, I don't need to follow this, like, religious cult version of being a Mandalorian. I can be like Bo-Katan and her crew. Take my helmet off if I bloody feel like it. Who knows? Hmm. Look at these sets. I mean, digital sets, most of it, I guess. But it's so good. I just feel like... I just want to re... Look at this! Look at these starships. I mean, this is cinema quality CGI right here. Right. <laughs> now, that whole first half of the episode, pretty heavy. Like, not a lot of yucks. And very smoothly, very gently, a step at a time, they shift the tone into something a bit more fun and playful. Which is fantastic. Really well done. This droid is one of those Star Tours, Star Tours droids, I guess. I don't like the look of them. I feel like it looks like a Star Tours droid. <laughs> it doesn't look like something that people really, you know, spent time on as a serious Star Wars design. But, there you go. I had one bad thing to say about the episode. This is a fun episode, a fun little thing of him. Slowly stripping all the, all the all the weapons from his gear. I was half expecting something to happen and for him to end up like, ah oh man, now I'm stuck with no no weapons. But um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, yeah, that funny thing. You often see it. This you've seen that stuff in films before. Extras in good outfits. See extras in good outfits. That really. Helps sell it for me. Now here's a cute little moment. Again, like sometimes when it comes to Star Wars, I don't really want to see everyday stuff. Like, like this is basically Mando on the bus, you know? Like the Star Wars version of that. I don't always want to see that. I'm like, keep it, keep it in that fantasy realm, you know? I don't need to see exactly how the ins and outs of the galaxy works. Because that to me, that strips out the magic a bit. But um, we get a little uh, little Rodian saying hi. And you can see Din's not... It feels like something's missing. He's, he isn't as okay as he thought he'd be to let Grogu go. And he pulls it out and you hear Grogu's theme. And you see that little bandana wrapped up and it's and it looks like him and it's super cute and you just can feel like ah oh, dad's missing the kid yo <laughs> look at this Mos Eisley I mean looks awesome what a shot I mean fantastic stuff are these the same ships that dropped off the pikes I wonder Looks pretty similar. Hmm. It's kind of nice. Like, it's cool that we've seen Moss Eisley and Moss Espa and Moss Pelgo. You know, Tatooine's not just one, one city. Now, look at this. I've never played Fallen Order. This is 
This droid is a BD droid from Fallen Order. What a cute droid. What a charmster. Look, Pelimoto's here. She's got the blunderbuss blaster. This is gold. Okay, this is where we start to see stuff. I've said before, the prequels missed the mark for me for the most part. But holy moly, this, this chapter of the Book of Boba Fett brings so much prequel stuff into an era that I like and in a way aesthetically that really works for me. So look at these pit droids. Used universe. Looked awesome. You know? Um, we're going to get more of that later. I just, I love Pelimoto. I just think she's such a perfect, like, callback to the, at like a kind of like an 80s vibe. I mean, this character is pure 80s. Oh, the little BD droid's foot got injured by that. Was it a womp rat? They don't really specify, but I'm guessing in my in my headcanon that was a womp rat. And I I really think this is like the best that Pelimoto's been. I feel like Amy Sedaris, I don't know, is she like relaxed or something into the role and is like, I mean, I, I thought she was great from the start, but now she, like this episode, she's awesome. Now this, like we're kicking off on this whole sequence, a sequence in which nothing really happens. I mean, we're going to get into it, but I, like both times I've watched it, I have been absolutely transfixed throughout this whole thing. Now, I unfortunately through leaks and stuff, I heard that this was a possibility, so I didn't quite, you know, it wasn't a, a total surprise. But look at this. Pulls off the tarp. It's, an, it's a Naboo. What is it? N1 Starfighter. Looking like... Listen to this. I never said I had a Razor Crest. I said I had a replacement for the Razor Crest. I mean... These shots of this hangar, the lighting is incredible, the junk everywhere, it just looks like there's so much history in this space. It's so well done. It's rusty where it should be rusty, it's dusty where it should be dusty. It's cool, I like that he doesn't just go, yep, alright, that'll do. Like, she has to kind of sell him on the idea of, uh, of this Naboo Starfighter. Like, whatever you know, I may think about the prequels or whatever, like, I always loved the Naboo Starfighters. They, um, they're, uh, that, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous design. Um, and, I mean, this episode brings it into my heart. Oh, look at this. They got little, they're called scurriers, those little, like, pig-nosed rodent creatures. They're called scurriers. I love that. And I love this, how she like, talks about how they were handmade. That these, sh you know, these are, these, are, these are vintage. It's a vintage machine. That'll make this faster than Fadia. She says, Last Jedi reference. Just bam. It's just, 
I, I know, like, you can say, like, well, making references is some, it's like cheap fan service in a way. But this episode, to me, gets it so right. And I just love, okay, people often talk about, oh, George would love this or George wouldn't like, love this or whatever. This is, I mean, this, with him and his obsession with cars and racing and stuff, this whole section, to me, just feels like, like prime George would love this stuff. Look at the huge wrench he hands to him. It's so silly, you know, but um, it really works. Now we've got this really cute scene. Mando's working under the ship. That BD droid is helping him but being a bit <laughs> useless. But it's so nice, you know, you see um, after his experience with IG-11 that he has softened towards droids. He's not totally against it. It's funny, like, there's all these, like, I just love you see this, like, scurriers, like, there's so much detail. There's something happening. There's always something cool happening on screen. Everything looks awesome. And I just love, like, I mean, this is just a conversation about, um, about parts for this ship, and it's fantastic. I just loved it, like, I love, and it's, I mean, it's about Jawas, which of course is a grade Star Wars goodness. Now we get to listen to this. <laughs> Dated a Jawa for a while, quite furry. Oh my god. Pelimoto dated a Jawa. And now we got Pelimoto speaking Jawa. Uh, at least her jaw is better than uh, Dean Jaren's. That's good. I just love this. I'm not even like a car guy, but I love Star Wars spaceships and them putting this ship together just ticked all sorts of boxes for me. These Jawas look a little too clean, maybe. There you go. Second tiny nitpick that I was able to find about the episode. I think those jowls could have looked a bit more worn. But now we have this great little... Look at him, he's buffing the yellow off. Look, I mean, this cockpit is familiar to us. Like, we've seen the inside of the, the cockpit of these ships. So it's really... it's Even that is like a little nostalgia. Ping! Pit droid, fun... See, this is it. Like, this is... I just think, like, uh, they look better now than they ever did. And the jokes are, like, are really, like, really fun. <laughs> Fix my blaster holes. <laughs> it's crazy, like... I mean, you see him buffing off that... Uh, buffing off the yellow, which, you know... I will miss because that yellow is iconic, but there's a bit of it left once they reach the end of the, the build, and it's just enough. And yeah, once they get to the end of putting it together, it really, it looks like it belongs to him. I love it. I, I don't know why this gobbledygook about like the engine it just works. It sounds like it would. Ah, oh, sweet looking 
gonk droid, good little gonk sound. It's nice to see a gonk droid being used for what we know it's used for, you know, for charging. As it, you know, basically it's a walking battery. Again, you have a nice little moment between him and this droid. I wonder, <gasps> could the Mando end up uh, adopting this cute droid? I would be up for that. I would be super up for that. Imagine Grogu and that BD droid being friends. Come on. I mean, this episode makes me really optimistic for Mando Season 3. Look at it come together. Look at the... I mean, the lines on this thing. It's seriously, like... Like, you... You could easily show this to, you know, Ferrari's designers and they would... They would give it the chef's kiss. For, okay, look at this. The Jawas found this part. It is very clearly more or less what... Uh, Luke Han and Leia were using in the trash compactor in episode four to try to keep the doors, uh, the walls apart. So we know what it's called now. I didn't pay attention, but yeah. I like how he gives them props, you know? Like they they stole this off the pikes. Like they pulled, they, a nice little, look, more crumbs being laid here about uh, she doesn't like the pikes. Since the pikes have been here, things have not been good. So I think, you know, that'll help him make this decision to help Boba Fett. This is great. <laughs> I don't know about that creature making a rooster sound, but now look at it. Here it comes. Din's new ship. It looks amazing. I mean... Oh, take a bow. It's so, and you just, they let you just really drink it in. The shots are gorgeous. Look at the guns on it. The guns look sick. Look at that, look at that engine on it, man. I love that line from it. Not a gram of fat on her. You just know that this is a feisty piece of machinery. It just looks so sick, man. It's like... Yeah, there you go. Like, there's usually an astromech, uh, whatever, little cockpit there. Um, she knows how he feels about droids, so she took it out. So I guess... Because I kind of thought, like, I mean, he's a bounty hunter. He needs... If, he, if he's going to use this long term, he needs somewhere to put people, you know? Um, but I'm guessing that... Grogu or whoever else is going to be in that little turret. Oh, I wonder if he's going to take BD with him at some point. I would be up for that. I mean, that's a practical... Like, I mean, they may... That's a practical piece. That exists somewhere. Like, I think the cockpit is probably, like, the... The windshield thing, yeah, the uh, whatever you call it on spaceships, that is probably CG, but most of it is, I think, like a practical thing. And just like look at the how, like the wear and tear on everything in the cockpit, it just looks like it, 
it looks as old as it is, you know. Because this should be, I mean, 40 years old or something by now, this, this, this thing. And I just love the shots. Like, for example, like chapter five of The Mandalorian, there's a, it opens with him getting chased by a, another bounty hunter in a starship. And the cockpit shots are not that cool looking. The cockpit shots in this section are 10 out of 10. Bryce Dallas Howard! Look at this. Look how cool Moss Eisley looks. Again, great lighting and great... I, I like... I like just the hot rod sound of this ship. I love how the engine is just rattling a bit. I'm jealous, man. Wish I could have one of these. Seriously, I just think this is going to be such a fan favorite, this thing. I mean, I was sad when the Razor Crest got blown up. I was legit legitimately sad. This helps a bit, i got to say. Look at this. There you go. The pod race track, basically. Even for me, this is, like, really fun to see. Dank Farrick, she's fast. I love that. This is so... It just looks so sick. Here we go. Beggar's Canyon. Look at that. I mean, we... We know these rocks. We've seen these rocks a hundred times. Super good. <laughs> the sound is great. Oh, Suts, if you're listening got to watch this episode when we hit the Satsapalooza. I want to hear the sound of this ship. Look at that. I mean, just, I love the the weathering on everything. Boom, he's taking it out into space now. Actually, good music here, i got to say. I think musically this has been the strongest episode so far, too. Here we go. Nice little moment. <laughs> The little Rodian with his mum, he's uh, on that uh, liner again. Din gives him the gives him the flyby. And now watch this. I mean, this is also pretty episode one-ish looking, I have to say, where he's flying this thing over, you know, past the surface surface of that uh, of that liner. Just wow! So talk about Star Wars poetry. This is it. Now, when this beeping sound started, I was like, ah, oh, man, really? Is it going to have... But look at this. I love how the barrel, barrel roll just slows down until he's like... Two X-Wings. He's in trouble with the man again. This guy, this X-Wing pilot, you know who he is? He's the guy who bodied... One of the guys who body doubled for Luke in that uh, last episode of season two of The Mandalorian. That guy was the body double for Luke. So nice to see him with a on, you know, getting his face on screen. That's cool. <laughs> Again, like we've seen just X-Wings patrolling and giving him trouble in the past. And I loved it then. I love it now. I just remember being like, no, don't, don't. Then, yeah, I heard that voice. I was like, Carson Teaver in the house. I love this guy. 
And look, he's still he's still on the on the trail of He's still on the trail of this funny business happening in the outer rim. I really hope that, you know, no matter d- despite what happened with um Gina Carano and pr- the fact that the Rangers of the New Republic just evaporated, um I want I want them to bring this guy in, man. I want them to really build on this and w- watch it build more and more until it just launches into the uh, sequel era. It would be awesome. Look at him. He just takes off. <laughs> Amazing. He just leaves them in the dust. People, I, I'm calling, this is a new classic ship. Din's N1 fighter. New classic. And I mean, just so good to see X-Wings. I'm never sad to see X-Wings. So damn good. I like Pelimoto's little bandana neck neckerchief thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Okay. Dean has friends. But this is fun. Now, it is... Is it is it weird to have an entire episode of the Boba Fett show without Boba Fett showing up? Yes. <laughs> but I just loved this so much that I just... I don't mind. Now, this is interesting. She offers him a good stack of cash to come and help out Boba Fett. He says, It's on the house. Now, is that for nice things that Boba has done for him in the past? Or is it because he is going to be calling on Boba in the future? I reckon a bit of both. And... He says, I got to go visit a friend. Dude, Din's going to find Grogu. What does that mean? Does that mean, like, I think it would be a missed opportunity if they just went like, oh, yeah, he goes and then he comes back and it's like, oh, look, Grogu's back. I want to see him. I want to see the reunion. I want to see, I want to see Luke again. Why not? Maybe they'll do it like, in terms of like you know the the uh, deep fake or whatever, they might do a, like a better job of it next time. Um, so it could be super good. Um, yeah, I just had to, I just had to give this episode the full, the full commentary treatment because I enjoyed it so much. All right. It will be very interesting to see where all this goes in for the last two episodes. Like it feels like it really feels like this is all just kind of getting started. So um yeah. I get the feeling that there's a really like a a lot still to come. Um they haven't announced that Boba Fett is a limited series. They I think that's more seasons of Boba Fett to come or they just say like well 
Uh, he's part of, you know, Mandalorian now. So, you know, we have Mandalorian season three and that's where it continues, basically. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's a bit unfortunate that, like, like I've been really enjoying the show. Um, but this episode, except for the second episode, which was another absolute cranker. But otherwise, this episode to me left everything except the second episode in the dust. Um, yeah. <sighs> Wonderful stuff. All right, folks. We're going to finish off with a bit of What's That Sound? Followed by a bit of The Last Jedi. Here we go. All right. Let's see what the first sound is. I mean, that's that sounds like the Rancor eating... A Gamorrean guard. But I could be wrong. Let's take a look. Um, I think I am wrong, actually. Let's check it. Ah, you know what it is? It's the scene, I believe. Well, it's the Wampa. That is the Wampa. And... Does he, yeah, I guess that's part of the original one. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, let's uh, take a listen to another. I reckon that's uh, Adat firing at uh, some rather unfortunate <laughs> rebel soldiers. Let's take a look. That is correct. All right, let's try another one. No, 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 no. Mm. Sounds a bit like this, you know, when um, at the beginning of A New Hope, when where basically the Tantive Four is, is, you know, taken by the Star Destroyer and, and C-3PO looks up and says, you know, oh, we're doomed, or whatever. Um, let's see. I could be wrong. 56. Okay. It just says Death Star Door. Listen one more time. Okay, that's a surprise. All right, folks, let's do it. We're going to do uh, a scene from The Last Jedi. Oh, it's all about uh, commentaries today. Now, we had uh, Finn and Rose getting arrested. We had um, this code breaker gambling. And that's about it. All right, cool. We're back on Akto, which is where I like to be. Um, yeah, we got Ray doing some staff stuff. Um, <laughs> she's good, man. Like, uh, I have to say, like, I think, I think my lightsaber, because it's a NeoPixel, uh, with a long blade, it's pretty hard to, to get it moving very quickly, but she does a good job with that staff. 
Now she's she's got that that Skywalker lightsaber. So nice. We've got Luke. Luke's watching what's going down. <laughs> and we are oh look at that. She's enjoying herself. We're about to see Ray have a bit of a uh a lightsaber mishap. <laughs> There's that face, bit of the Palpatine. She gets distracted because Luke's there. <laughs> she manages to chop this beautiful rock in half. And this is one of the best visual gags in the movie. She ta takes out the uh, caretaker's little trolley thing. And they look so... They just look like disappointed. It's a wonderful piece of craftsmanship. All right. Ray is going to follow Luke up. Look at this, round two. I just had it up. If you strip away the myth and look at the deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure. The legacy of the Jedi is failure. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. Wow. He was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation. He's pretty. He's pretty rough on Obi Wan here. You know, he basically blames Obi Wan for the creation of Vader. Hmm. It's a really interesting scene, you know. Like all that, all that Luke sees is where he went wrong. All he sees is how what, his mistakes, his failures. But Ray, you know, she has some distance, so she can see. Yeah, of course you made mistakes, but you did things that almost no one else could have done. Which is amazing. Really worthwhile. But here we go. We get to see... Luke's first version... Of these events. Now this is interesting. I think a lot of people kind of... Especially people if they just watched it once and didn't like it and never saw it again. They, they don't really understand... I, I don't know. They think that, like... I just think Kyla's version is the right one or is the real one or something. But obviously it takes us a few versions to get there. It's interesting. I mean, it's, it's such a big thing. This uh, Jedi... New Jedi Temple and everything. And you got to wonder, like, are we ever going to see more about this? Are we going to see this Jedi Temple when Din comes to pick up Grogu? I would love that. Would love that. Look at poor Luke there. His whole life's on fire. He's always, his only friend, R2-D2. But man, I understand how... How disappointed he is in himself and how guilty he feels for what happened. And I just... I just find myself just like, come on, Luke. Ray needs you. And this is a good line. You didn't fail Kylo. Kylo failed you. I won't. Strong. That's strong stuff. Mm. Okay, we are going to pause there. Whew, what a day. Like, um, I think that in years to come, 
I will look back on today and go like, wow, that was um, a great day in uh, Star Wars history. A, a day when um, when Star Wars, yeah, really started to show what it was capable of on the small screen. And a great little scene from The Last Jedi as well. All right, folks. Awesome to be with you. Thank you for listening. Um, let's get pumped for the end of the end of uh, the book of Boba Fett. Uh, who knows what we're going to see? I really like. I I really can't even predict where where this is all going. Actually, it's very interesting. All right. So thanks again. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Hey!